on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. We talked to Von Mitchell, that turnip seed, preseason, all Big 12 team, and we give you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hosty, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, July 10th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there's so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of July, all you got to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this on Sunday night. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Ted Lehman, it's been a while. How we doing, buddy? I feel like we haven't done the podcast in a really long time. A um, little bit of a break was good. Holiday was awesome. Been getting some sun. Been getting some rain. Uh, I just, I cannot complain, Gabe. I went and watched Ty Darlington get married in Tampa, Florida. First time I've been to Tampa other than to play a football game. Best airport, maybe the best airport I've ever been to. Incredible. The efficiency, everything's color-coded. It, it's brand, it seems like it's brand new. Technolo- technology everywhere, it was incredible. I loved it. I haven't been there in a while, but I lived in the Marriott at the airport that's connected to the airport for like three weeks whenever I was with Tampa Bay. Wasn't bad, other than one of the valet guys stole PlayStation out of my car. Everything well, other than that was good. That's not cool. <laughs> it's not cool. <laughs> but, yeah, it was a great wedding. Had a great time. Saw some guys I hadn't seen in a long time, which is always, always fun. But we got some stuff to talk about, man. We yes, got some we catching up to do. Yep. So let's start with let's start with the most exciting news. Five-star tied in. Devon Mitchell, is that right? Devon, right? Yeah. That's what I've been saying. Devon Mitchell has committed to OU over Alabama and Miami. He's the number one tight end in the class of 2025, but he will be reclassifying to the class of 2024, and he said that he will enroll early at OU after he plays his final high school season in the fall. Ted, this is a big athletic dude at 6'4", 250 pounds already. I, 
It's been a long time since we've had a guy this highly ranked at the tight end position. It's been a long yeah. time. Yeah, it it has been. Um, big time player. I think one of the good things is I, I know we haven't seen it on the field yet, but the roster makeover, we're getting there. I mean, think about you get Devon Mitchell over Alabama and Miami. We we just haven't been able to get players other than like some skill position guys like wide receivers and quarterbacks uh, in the past, but we haven't been able to get many players whenever we're in a straight up battle with with teams the likes of, of Alabama. And we've seen some with LSU and with Georgia. I, to me, that is what really sticks out is we are competing with the big boys on some of these really crucial recruits out there. And that's to me is a really positive sign. Yeah, and I I think when you look at Mitchell as a player, right, being a big-time, big-bodied weapon in the passing game, it's just been a while, man. Uh, a guy that – and he played – let's be real. He played slot wide receiver. He plays slot wide receiver mm -hmm. in high school. But at that size, it just – it gets your mind wondering what the possibilities are for him as a player. And we see it in the NFL all the time. If you have, if you have a true difference maker at tight end, there's just, there really are no answers, man. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting about the tight end spot is not to take anything away from the athleticism, because some of those guys that play that role are incredibly athletic, but, it's almost like it almost turns in the passing game. It almost turns into more of a finesse and feel and ball skills position than it does just an overall crazy athleticism. If that, if that makes sense. Um, now there are some guys that play that position that are, that are absolute freaks, but you know, some of the guys just kind of, I would consider to be, I mean, middle of the road as far as like some of your your athletes up that are out there on the field. So I'm interested to see how athletic he is. And, you know, just watching some of the highlights because it's really all you have access to. It looks like he's got a pretty good feel for finding open space. I liked, you know, seems like he's coached well, like his releases on some of his routes. You could see him having an inside or an outside stem and, I don't know. I I feel like the ceiling is incredibly high, but I just don't know enough about him other than his ranking and the schools that wanted him to kind of, you know, have a have a picture of, of what type of player he's going to be. Yeah, uh, it. I know this. It's a hell of a get by Joe John Finley mm -hmm. and by this staff, right? And I, you you look at a guy that, and the one thing that stands out to me when you're watching him in the highlights. Guys just smooth, mm -hmm. right? And, and sometimes guys that move like that, they really don't jump off the screen to you. It's just like, oh, that guy, he's running past people. He just doesn't look like he's running very fast. And it, it, it kind of plays a trick on your brain. It's like, when, it's like the finesse. That's the kind of what I was talking about. It's almost like the old man basketball game, right? You just, you look up and it's like, how do I guard this guy? Yeah, this guy's smooth. <laughs> but I, the one thing I did like seeing, and I know he's blocking guys that he's probably outweighing by 50 pounds out there on the edge. 
he was putting some kids on their asses mm-hmm. and looked like he enjoyed doing it, which who knows how big of an element that's going to be for his game at Oklahoma and Levy's offense. But the fact that he's already that willing and seems to really embrace the physicality of blocking that, that allows you to use him in so many different ways. Uh, it, especially he's going to get even bigger. He's going to get even stronger, but if he's willing to stick his face into it like that, man, that's, that that gives you confidence to use him anywhere you want a tight end slash H-back guy in line, split him out. It doesn't matter. If he can embrace the physicality of the position like that, then you can use him any way you want to. It's crazy, too, because kid's young, and I, who knows what, what, 18 months from now, what he's going to look like. Um maybe he keeps growing maybe he leans out a little bit you know maybe starts to put on a little bit more muscle he's definitely going to get stronger and faster as he as he continues to 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 build in the weight room and in conditioning stuff it's just it's it's wild to think that you know this isn't necessarily an uncommon thing you don't see it a lot but the guy's graduating high school like a year and a half early that's that's pretty crazy or more. Uh, it's a lot. Yeah. I, a young kid showing up on college, mix it up with the big boys. Is he one of those guys? I don't know how old he is. Is he one of those guys that was held back at some point, you know, maybe back in kindergarten Probably, or something yeah. like that, which is, by the way, is becoming more and more common. But maybe he's a guy that was held back at some point, and this is actually just putting him back into back the class he should be in. I, I don't know. But he certainly looks like he's ready physically to to get into college next season as opposed to two seasons from now. But yeah, no, I I don't know. And I was just I was surprised to see that he's only, I'm saying only six four, because some of the pictures I had seen, like whenever he was at the Champion Barbecue, or maybe it wasn't Champion Barbecue, but he was on campus next to next to his coach Joe John. He looked he looked taller than six four, but um, I'm sure that that's it's good to look bigger, right? That's always uh, a, a a good thing. But yeah, I'm I'm impressed with him, and it's a big get, as you said. And you and I, we don't, you know, we don't follow recruiting as you know super closely, right? We can't. I can't rattle off the top tight end recruits in the history of OU football, but five-star, you know, top 20 player in the country. What is this? This has to be the highest rated tight end recruit since Gresham, right? With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. 
You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, and I honestly, I don't even know how highly Jermaine Gresham was ranked. I mean, he may have been a five-star. I don't know. I know he was a five-star on the field. That's what he, the type of player he ended up being. But I don't know like, how high his, his actual rank he was. But it's got to be pretty high. The only other guy I can really think of is like, how, how high would Stogner have been? Yeah, Because Andrews was kind of a – he was listed as like an athlete, I think, coming out of Arizona, wasn't he? Yeah, he was a bit of he was a highly recruited guy, but was because he was a wide receiver in high school. It was adamant about not playing tight end, wasn't he? If I remember right, did not want to be like an in the box tight end. Turns out the coaching staff (laughs) knew what they were doing. Uh, It it has worked out for our man Mark Andrews. He's now arguably the best at that position in all football. But yeah, I was just trying to think. I mean, this is. And it just made me realize we, we've talked about the need for a playmaker this season at the tight end position. I Not to put too many expectations on the kid, but this is the type of player where you look at what the tight end position looks like right now, what that room looks like. When he gets here, you're expecting him to contribute right away if he can figure everything out, you know, when it comes to the playbook and everything. And I... I don't know if that's fair or not, but it feels like that's just the way it's going to be. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, and you mentioned it given the the status of that room. And we may feel a little bit – it's not that I feel bad necessarily about the tight end room right now. It's just we've got literally no experience outside of Stogner. I mean, no one else has really done anything, hardly played any snaps at all of legitimate big-time football. And maybe through this season we get some good development there. We get find out we actually do have some good depth because we've got good athletes there and some kids that were highly recruited. We just haven't seen what they have to offer yet. There's been some injury problems there with that group. So that group just in general needs to have a really good summer, really good training camp, and a good fall. But I can't imagine a scenario where he's not going to be fighting for – you know, really, really solid playing time right out of the gate whenever he shows up. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the way I see it. But one other thing about Mitchell. I saw some fans. Don't don't get caught up in how the reclassifying changes his ranking and all that. The, the guy's a stud. <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't don't get wound up about it. It's fine. It, it's fine. He's. He's a really good football player at a position that this team has a huge need at from what we've seen up to this point from the guys in that room. So don't 
don't let him if he goes from a five star to a high four star it's fine it's fine and we, we, we will all survive just remember the guy can play so that's that's all that matters totally agree with you but i just can't wrap my head around it how makes that no could sense. happen it makes it, no it, sense it really shows the entire thing is a bunch of smoke and mirrors doesn't it well I, I would say, hey, and, and once again, I don't know enough about the tight ends in the 2024 class. Maybe the 2024 class is a strong tight end class, mm-hmm. right? But if you're going to compare a kid to kids that are a year older than him, yeah, you're probably he's probably going to fall down in the order just a little bit, right? He's still going to be, what, a top five tight end in the country? I, I, I don't get too caught up in the ranking stuff. Now, I... I realize OU's got to, they've got to produce top 10 recruiting classes year after year after year to be competitive in the SEC. I totally understand that, but I, I'm not worried about this one guy moving a few spots, Like, but there are some OU fans that are pissed about it and they want explanations. Well, okay. I totally get that. And I understand that if you move him into a new class, he's going to be, He'll be ranked against different players. But I don't, I guess what I don't understand is how, like, your evaluation and, like, like they rate an athlete up to like 100 is the perfect, right? Right. And to be a five star, you got to be like a 98 or 99. I don't know exactly where the cutoff is right there, but that's the thing that I don't understand how, how that could change. But we I, don't need to get caught up in that because it, at the end of the day, you're exactly right. It just doesn't matter. This is so, and I've talked to some of the guys at on three and 24 seven sports about this. The five-star thing is essentially they think you can be a first round pick. So they only issue like 30 or 32 of them. Yeah. It's based off the NFL draft. And it's also, it is, it's based off position. That's why you're not going to see a bunch of five-star centers because centers don't get picked in the first round Mm -hmm. for the most part. That so, you know, I am. If they think he's that type of athlete at the tight end position, I'm not sure how that changes when he reclassifies. That's the part that confuses me. It's like, right. hey, if you think this is a first round type of talent at the tight end position, now that he's in the 2024 class, all of a sudden he's not a first round type of talent. I it, it's like saying if he red shirts his freshman year, he's not, or so I, I don't yeah, know. I, it's, it's weird. Yeah, I, all I know, I'm glad the Sooners have him in the boat, baby. That's all I know. Same. And I and I do think probably that after he plays this year of football, you know, if he has the type of year that everyone expects him to, he'll probably continue to climb. Wherever they've moved him in this class doesn't mean that he's stuck there. He, has, he can still move up, you know, by the time it's all said and done. Yeah. It'll all be all right, OU fans. It'll all work out. I'll – all that matters is what he does on Saturdays in the fall for three to sure. four years. That's that's what really matters. All right, now we were we were on break. Now we didn't miss any episodes, but we were on break when the Thad Turnup Seed news broke. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Uh, that, and I believe, uh, Kerry Murdoch, he was the one that broke that, I believe. Our buddy Kerry Murdoch was the one that put that out there first. And it basically reported his dad turned up to he's no longer working at OU. So uh, I talked to multiple people uh, this week and thought it was important to explain the situation because it did seem like there, you know, there was some concern from the fan base. Like, what does this mean? What does this say about the future of the program? What's it mean for the new facility? Like there was a, there was a strong reaction. So I think the easiest way to start is, okay, what was Thad Turnipseed's role? And he came with Brent Venables to Oklahoma to help BV balance everything that comes with being a head coach, right? It was BV's first time being a head coach. One of Thad's roles was help take stuff off of his plate and to help BV create the culture there that he wanted to create, you know, blend, you know, bring a little Clemson, not too much, but some of what they were doing at Clemson and, and try to infuse that into what has helped OU be so successful over the last couple of decades. And then he was the fundraising guy. And he also was one of the guys that had the tough conversations with the administration and pushed them to make sure that Venables was getting what he wanted, getting everything he felt was necessary for OU to compete for championships, which there, there was absolutely some friction in those conversations. Right. But that's, that was the job. So it, is that the best way to explain what his role was? Yeah. I mean, the dude did a lot. I'm not going to pretend that he didn't. Yeah, no, I think so. Because there's, gosh, there's so much stuff that happens behind the scenes to run a, a program the size and, and scale of, of Oklahoma, you've got, you've got, you know, facilities, situations that they have going, which, you know, they had some stuff in the future that they were planning and they had some current stuff, like just getting some additions made quickly to what was there to try and implement right out of the gate. There's that there's fundraising, you know, we've, we've been, you know, thrust into this new NIL situation. So that's a whole different landscape that you've got to try to navigate. And yeah, there's, there's a bunch of moving parts and, you know, there may be some athletic departments out there that just give absolute blank check to anything that the football program asks for or needs, but I doubt it, right? There has to be, there has to be some type 
of push and pull there. There's not just an endless amount of funds to pull from. So that sounds like that was one of his, his roles is to, you know, go in there and fight for the things that they felt like they needed to have success. And, you know, I, I think he did a lot of stuff, a lot of good stuff whenever he was here. And it's going to be interesting to see kind of what the future holds for him. Yeah. So people are probably wondering, okay, why is he no longer at OU? And and from what I was told, it's just really about a shift in the timeline and the priorities for the program. Mm -hmm. So we, and we've all seen the thing about the new facility, right? $175 million. You want to have the best facility in all of college football. That is currently, that is not the coaching staff's top priority. Maybe it was at one point in time. It no longer is. Yeah. They, they have quickly learned that you have to you have to focus on other things to build this roster the way you want to build it. The the coaching staff's top priority is not the new facility. Their top prior, priority is developing the NIL program so that they can get the roster that they need to compete for national titles. That is priority number one now. So as a result of that, I think Thad looked at the situation was like, do I really need to be here every single day? Right. Remember away from his family, he's got kids, you know, trying to, you're trying to spend time with your family. And I don't think now that the facility, the new facility isn't priority number one, and he's not working on that every single day. I think he looked at the situation and he said, I can go use my skill set other places, right? Let's say Nick Saban calls him and says, hey, Thad, I need your opinion on something. I I want you to come be a consultant on this. Dabo, right? Guys that he's worked for. He he can go and do those things now, which I think he would be incredibly effective at. But really, I just don't think – I I don't think he he saw – the need to be there every single day. If the new facility, which is a big part of what he was about to be doing from a day to day aspect, that, that seems a little down the road. Right. So I think he looked at it and was like, okay, maybe it makes most sense for me to go do something else while, while you guys are prioritizing different things. Yeah. Hard to be a project guy whenever there's, there's not a lot of projects going on facilities wise. And that's, you know, that's his, his construction background and which obviously he did more than that, but yeah, I mean, it makes sense. And, and that's the thing, you know, I think that's what NIL has shown a lot of people, myself included, um, that the game has changed. Uh, I, I, I think, even Venables, I, I, I guess, would probably say this, that, you know, there, I think there was a lot of hopes of what NIL was going to be. And what we found is more of a runaway train type of situation. And as kids start to come out and see what the recruits from their schools or guys that they whatever played with on seven on seven teams or or whatever, start to get these NIL deals in front of them. 
Like, that's the new norm. Like, that's going to be the new expectation. It's not a wow, look at what I might be able to get. It's like, this is the game. This is like the contract situation. And, you know, I liken it more to NFL free agency than I do anything else because it's not a draft. You don't have first shot at them. This is free agency. And the NILs become the biggest thing. There was a long, I mean, probably a 25-year run or so where facilities were the main, like, the the go-to currency for recruiting, right? You had to have, you had the best of all of these things. Look at where you're going to live. Look at your locker room. Look at your weight room. Now it's all about the money in the bank account, which I, I totally understand. You know, I remember back in the NFL, whenever, before they had gone through a big facilities upgrade across the league, there are some places that had horrible facilities, but they'd get free agency in anyways. Why? Because they offered them the most money. When it comes down to it, like, it's, I mean, it's a big deal, but it's, when it comes to money, comparatively speaking, it's never going to hold as much weight as it used to. They... They don't mean nearly as much as they used to. Mm-mm. I I think facilities are pretty far down the list of what a top recruit cares about. Well, number one, the money, and number two, at this point, everyone's got good facilities. Like some right. are better than other others, but like even like you go to like a an Iowa State or just some of these lower, previously lower tier schools, and you look at their facilities, it's like. Oh, way better than what I had when I was in school by a long shot. I mean, that's pretty much across the board. Yeah, and OU's current facilities are great. Yeah. Now, are they the best or the the most efficient? No, they're not. They're plenty good enough. I, I, I and I, I talked to multiple OU coaches about this whole thing, and they said there is there has not been. One of these top recruits, right? They've just had a huge recruiting month, right? Not one of those top recruits mentioned facilities. They don't care. No, they don't care. It's plenty good enough already, right? And they, hey, I'll tell you, we won a national championship out of a locker room that's about as big as the cold tub area at their current uh, facility. <laughs> so you can be done. Yeah. And I, I remember leaving OU and signing with the Titans. And I was like, man, OU stuff was so much nicer than this. And the best NFL team I played on, and they've probably redone it by now, but I, I walk into the Saints locker room and I was like, this is or like the cold tub, hot tub area. You're like, dang, this needs a, this needs to be redone. That was the initial reaction. Like this needs to be redone, but it didn't matter. You had Drew Brees and Sean Payton. Like it did, but, but, as far as college and as far as looking at Oklahoma, the facilities are plenty good enough. And, you know, when I was talking to people about this entire thing, I liked hearing that. I liked hearing the new number one top priority is, Hey, we got to do what we got to do to get these guys to Oklahoma. Right. So I think that I, I think that is a positive development. And I, I do want to make something clear. I was told, hey, the facility is going to get done eventually, right? I was told it will happen. So I know that that was, you know, that was kind of a question mark. But 
I also think it's a lot easier to raise money for that facility if you got a bunch of badasses to put into it and you're winning a bunch of games and you're challenging for the SEC championship and things like that. And you only do that if you got dudes, man. Mm-hmm. Talk about it all the time. So the focus is get the dudes and let, you know, the other stuff will kind of just fall into place. So I, I like the new uh, the new main focus of the program, personally. It'll be cheaper. It's a cheaper way to do it. <laughs> well, you think, I mean. For now, anyways. For, for now. now. Uh, yeah, I, Hey, I think that, I think that focus is critical, especially, you know, we're here in the dog days of summer getting into July. It's kind of commitment period. Now, some of those players are going to be, you know, holding off for quite some time, some of your bigger players, but you know, like that's, that's the real focus, right? Is the roster getting the roster back to where it needs to be. And you got to be competitive out there. It's just, it's impossible. It's impossible to to be at the top of college football right now in this environment without spending the money in the NIL. It's just like it, love it, hate it, whatever. That's just how it is. Yeah. And you know, kind of turning it back to that turnip seed. I I do expect down the road when that facility is getting designed and, and maybe it doesn't end up being as elaborate as we initially thought. I don't know. But I do expect him to have a role, right, in that in the design of that new facility, and I won't be surprised if that is still someone that BV turns to for certain things, right, and using using him as uh, you know kind of like as a consultant because guy's got a he's got a wealth of knowledge, and he was not only was he involved in trying to get all this new stuff implemented, I mean he ended up having a quite a large role in how they structured practice and meetings and all that stuff. So I, and I, along those lines, I would not be surprised if a guy like Matt Wells became extremely influential with that stuff. Uh, Woody glass will play a larger role as well, but yeah, it's, it it seems like this was best for everyone. If that makes sense. Do you see this as a, the, the, people that are already there will maybe pluck individual type of duties from what he did, or is this a role that's going to be replaced by someone? I think they're going to handle it with the people they already have. So from, from what I was told, it doesn't sound like they're going to go hire someone else to serve this purpose. If that makes sense. Kind of parcel out his, his duties to, to some other people. Yeah. It, it almost sounded like maybe he was doing too much. (laughs) And yeah. now they're going to have some people that maybe like, like Matt Wells, right? Guy's been a head coach guy knows ball. The dude can structure practice, right? The, the he can, he can decide, Hey, this is, you know, on Thursday, we're going to do third and short red zone like that. He, he knows exactly what he's doing when it comes to that stuff. And let's just be real. Everyone likes Matt Wells. He hasn't had to have any of these tough conversations and you know cause any of that friction and things like that. So I I think it's gonna be handled just from what I've been told, it's gonna be handled internally. Good. I like it. So and I I had multiple people tell me that this this 
the way that this all went down is best for all involved. So I, I know, I know the fan base was a little alarmed, but by the way, the way that it was explained to me was just kind of a shift in priorities, a shift in timeline. And this is, this is kind of just the way it worked out for both sides. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, I imagine if we get to a point to where we got some facility stuff on the horizon and you start to see turnip seed show up around, you'll we'll kind of know what's going on. You could yeah. be back for something like that. So yeah, no doubt about deal. it. All right, let's get the call your shot. We asked you guys most important thing that's happened in the last couple of days for Oklahoma football. This four, first one comes from Leroy Junkins, which is fantastic. <laughs> he says Mitchell commit. Feels a desperate need at a desperate time. Hopefully signals others to get the ball rolling. That that wasn't really something we touched on, Ted, is the impact of a guy that highly ranked and what it could signal, especially these other guys in the 2024 class, right? We're still waiting on a lot of these defensive linemen to make their decisions. So, yeah, that's a, that's a great, great point by our man Leroy Junkins. Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, it was interesting, and I, I some of this stuff came across my Twitter timeline, and, like, I had seen uh, the Caden Durham kid, highly ranked running back that we're after. Like, whenever it was announced that uh, Mitchell was going to be committing, he, like, did, like, I know where he's going and had, like, the lips or zip type of emoji there, like, it sounds like there's there's maybe a handful of guys that are kind of all together and all on the same page, and maybe things are going to be coming out on a little bit different timeline. I don't know. Maybe that's me looking too much into it. But, you know, it always does feel like if you get one or two big-name guys, everyone else maybe feels a little bit more comfortable and, and wants to get in on the action too, maybe step up their timeline a little bit. I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah, Mitchell – I mean, he came out and said, I'm trying to get all these guys to come join me. So love hearing that. Love hearing that. All right. This other one comes from just a dado. I think just a dado. I think that's right. The field was resurfaced. I love new grass. Put a new field in. I, and I was there. I was there when you two had the concert. At the stadium, they yeah. bought us a new field, I guess, after it. The original grass is better. That's my fear. My fear is that this new fancy grass isn't going to be as good. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. And I don't know. Maybe it's me. Not a... I, I, I don't know a whole lot about this world. But it seems late in the game... I know it's just July and what it happened maybe a couple weeks ago. But I feel like like you want to give yourself as much time as possible. And maybe this is plenty, but got to get a good deep root system in there, Gabe. If you want the cleats to dig in, you don't want to be peeling stuff up. I hear you. However, I've got the ultimate faith. I've got the (laughs) ultimate faith in the grass guys for Oklahoma. They... They always have that field looking incredible, right? It's, I say it all the time. It's the best grass field I've ever played on. 
just holds up. It's fantastic. So I got faith in I I I I assumed this was the exact right time to plant yep. the fancy grass. Yep. And we all know we've got state of Oklahoma got more grass people than we need right now. So there's there's plenty of people that know what they're doing in that department. There you go. I see what you did there. Let's see what you did there. All right. Birthday shout outs. Welcome to the world. Elliot June priest. And welcome to the world. Jada Deviney. Happy sixth birthday to Haven. Greg got to be related to Kelly, right? It has to be happy 10th birthday to Eli Andrews. Happy 13th birthday to Kinley Howard. Happy 27th birthday to Jordan J man Crawford. Happy 29th birthday to Laura Foshi. Happy 31st birthday to Trenton Patterson. Happy 42nd birthday to John Volbrecht. Happy 61st, 61st birthday to Michelle in Tulsa. And happy birthday to Deborah McGuire. All right, let's talk some preseason All-Big 12 team. But first... Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan your barcode on the prompt on screen and watch that price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Love's Connect app unlocks exclusive deals and can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Love's Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Love's Travel stops. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with an expanded mobile to go zone. And of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java Hamore. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma breakdown merchandise and is the best place to get your OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And hey, you hungry out there? Well, then head to the garage for hand-smashed patties, butter-toasted buns, and some ice-cold beer. The food is fantastic, and it is the perfect spot to watch any big game. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find a location near you and order online from the garage in your neighborhood. All right, National College Football Roundup. Preseason All-Big 12 team was released. Now, we'll discuss the preseason poll on the next episode, but let's just look at the All-Big 12 team that was released as selected by the media. Offensive Player of the Year. Jalen Daniels, Defensive Player of the Year, Jalen Ford, and Newcomer of the Year, Treshawn Ward. Let's just start there, Ted. Any issues? Oh, not necessarily, no. Um, I think Offensive Player of the Year, Jalen Daniels, who won it last year? Uh, Max Duggan. Max Duggan. I, it's hard to square Jalen Daniels being the offensive player of the year. I'm not saying like I think he's probably going to be tremendous if he stays healthy. I bet he has an incredible year. 
I don't know how incredible of a year that's going to translate for Kansas. So it's it seems like a hard sell. I think at the beginning of the season, it's one of those that it looks better maybe than what it is at the end of the season, unless they're there playing for a Big 12 championship. I think people were just scared to vote for yours. Because and, and I, I'm not sure if this is the way that it should be, but this is the way it is. The offensive player of the year usually ends up being the best player on offense on the best team. Kansas isn't going to be they're, – they're, they're not going to be challenging for a Big 12 title berth. It, as good as Jalen Daniels is, and I think he's fantastic. I love the kid. But that defense was so god-awful a year ago that it's just hard for me to imagine them. You know, if they win six games, I think that's a hell of a year. Agree. But if, it's, it's but it's hard to force it's hard to get an offensive player of the year out of that. It's hard to finish eighth in the conference right. and win offensive player of the year. I, I think people are just a little gun shy with yours. Which or maybe even crazy. a little gun shy with Will Howard. I agree, but I think it says a whole lot of the current situation. If if we're told by the national media that Quinn Ewers is like the third highest Heisman Trophy favorite, that Texas is the overwhelming favorite to win the Big 12, like all of these things, but he's a no-show on the Offensive Player of the Year list, that's kind of weird. It is a little weird. Now... I, I think it's it's great sign of respect for what Jalen Daniels is as a player. But the way that I the way that I fill my ballot out is mine is like a prediction. Right? Yeah. People always ask, hey, do you do you do it based on you know pr- the production they've had or prediction? I always say, well, my prediction factors that production in. Mm-hmm. So I I think Jalen Daniels is a hell of a football player. I would be shocked if he ends up winning Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year. And it has, I don't even know how much it has to do. It has everything to do with the defense that he's got. You know what I mean? Like that's, so I I didn't even think about voting him for Offensive Player of the Year. Did you think about voting him for first team all Big 12 quarterback? I did. Because I I think that's, I think that's a separate like I can I can square someone having him as the first team all Big 12 quarterback but it's hard to square having him as the offensive player of the year and some people may think that that's that's absurd but I don't know it's just the way that I see it like not only do you have to have great production and and you know all of you you have to have success as well with it for me. I mean, that's just that's not the perfect world, I understand, but it's just kind of how I look at it. Yeah. I for what it's worth, I had Xavier Worthy. I think he is I think he had I think he had a disappointing season last year. And I think he he could have I'm not gonna say he's gonna have a Devontae Smith type season. Like that was it's one of the greatest greatest seasons we've ever seen from a wide receiver in college football. But I, I think Worthy's going to put up huge numbers. I do. So that's that's who I had. And because I I really didn't 
like any of the quarterbacks well enough. I I almost I almost picked Will Howard just to keep just to keep making us look like idiots. It'd but be I did quite the uh it'd be quite the 18 month swing, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> From suggesting uh, a position move to the offensive player of the year. Hey, yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, well, I'll say this, though. If Kansas State finds himself in the Big 12 championship, he's going to, I would say, regardless of if they win it, Will Howard will be your offensive player of the year. Yeah. Because we've seen what happens at that position, especially with his offensive coordinator. Like, whenever they've got a dude, there at quarterback that can do kind of all things and he kind of fits that role quarterback power you know just all of those things running game and passing game it all goes through the quarterback position when they've got that guy and if he fills that role for him he'll be your opy yeah all right looking at the other skill positions running back it's richard reese from baylor devin neal from kansas fullback ben sennett from k-state Wide receiver, you've got Xavier Worthy, Jaron Bradley, and Brennan Presley. And rounding out the skill guys, you've got Jatavion Sanders at tight end. Any any big snubs, anything you really disagree with? Jaron Bradley is an interesting pick. Great size. He was productive last year, but no, I, I'm not sure the production he had a year ago warrants him being one of the three wide receivers on, on the preseason list, but I I get it, I think. But I really don't know who else you would put on there. Like, you could convince me that Texas should have at least two of the three wide receivers if the Nayor kid is healthy and ends up being what they thought he was going to be for him. But I I don't know. I I didn't really know who to make an argument for other you know, to take Bradley's spot. Yeah. I don't have much of a beef right there with wide receiver. At running back, I think there's a good chance Oklahoma could have a running back this year. The crazy thing is, is I don't know who it's going to be. You know, but I think of of the group of three guys that I think are going to factor in the heaviest in the running game. I, I think someone's going to separate and be the go-to guy. And with how I feel about the offensive line right now, cautiously optimistic, the way I feel about the quarterback running game going to be a bigger factor in our offense. I, I think even though I think we were number one rushing offense in the big 12 last year. Correct. Um, I think we will be this year by a huge margin. And I think that there's going to be a running back that's going to get some type of accolades because of that. It's, but you, I can't would, put anyone on here because I don't know who it's going to be. But I think someone will make it. Yeah, I think the most, I think the safest bet would be Javante Barnes because yeah. you just you you can't pick Marcus Major, right? You just can't. Nope. I mean, is as much as we like him and as talented as he is and as physical as he is. The guy just can't stay healthy. So, I mean, you can't pick him. So it, I, some people may think Sawchuck, but I think Barnes is more of the do everything type of back. We've seen the most carries from him. He's a physical and seems to be a durable guy. I know he had some injury stuff this uh, this spring, 
Um, I think Sawchuck may be the most, like maybe the best home run threat, but I don't, does he, does he got the makeup to be able to, to go through a grueling full season? We got some young bucks that are going to be factoring in too, but I would agree with you on, on Barnes being the most likely. And I, I think it's, I think our running backs are going to have the biggest season we've seen from the backs in a while. Yeah. Wide receiver. And this is something we've talked about quite a bit since the season in. Let's see. Got to prove it, man. I mean, Jalil Farouk can look at this and be all kinds of pissed off. And I hope he is, but got to produce, you got to produce. And that's how you end up on these lists. And there's just, there's not a guy in that room that, frankly, is earned to be on this list. You think there's any chance you could get a guy like maybe Andrew Anthony as newcomer? That was that was definitely one of the things I wanted to discuss. Like, who for OU, who's, who's most likely to be newcomer of the year? And I think there's two main choices. Andrew Anthony... And I still, I'm so intrigued by how they're going to use McCullough, man. I just, I'm not giving up on him, right? Even though you and I, we, I think we've done a good job of maybe tempering some expectations for him and what he's going to be this season. But we did see a few flashes where you're like, okay, what, what could this be? And let's not forget our man Bothroyd. We love, we love Rondell Bothroyd. He he feels like a guy that's going to have like eight and a half, nine sacks, like perfectly spaced throughout the year to where you look down and like, wait a second, he's tied for the lead in sacks in the Big 12 right now. You know what I'm saying? It's uh, I, I think that there's a case for that. And Gosh, I don't know. Um, Rouse at left tackle. Like, what's the cutoff for newcomer? I. Right. Newcomer that it's if you're new to the conference, okay. But an offensive lineman is not what a newcomer. Right. No, I'm, I'm with it, you. As excited as I am to watch Rouse play, right? And what I expect him to be as a player, if if offensive linemen were considered for it, which they aren't, I I think he if he plays up to his ability, he'd be in the conversation. But I could see. I think Andrew Anthony would be my answer. Like if I had to put Most a likely. bet on it. Because he may catch, you know, six or seven flashy deep balls, you know, and if if you can do that, you got seven receiving touchdowns. I mean, that would have led OU last year in receiving touchdowns or tied, I guess, with Braden Willis. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I could I could see that being the case. It's just it's like everything else. I think I think if in almost any of these positions across the board, I think Oklahoma has, they got plenty of guys that we could say could pull off being a first team, all big 12 at this position could be a, a, a newcomer, but it's nobody cares until we see it at this point. Right. Right. Now one, one sneaky name for, for wide receiver when it comes to postseason all big 12 awards. Every TCU person I talk to tells me John Paul Richardson is the first name that comes up every single time. They bring him up before they bring Chandler Morse up. Like I, and I, that probably doesn't make Oklahoma State fans happy, 
but the, I'm expecting this guy to absolutely tear it up from what I've been told by people that are close to that program. So we'll, we'll see, but it sounds like he is, he is fitting into Bryles offense nicely down there in Fort Worth. So just, I'm interested just a, in that. I'm just a little nugget. I'm just trying to think of like what, what role. There's like a he, lot of production to replace. Remember Quinn well, Johnson gone. Tay Barber gone. Darius Davis gone. I'm just trying to think of where, like whose role he fits the most of, of those guys. I mean, cause he's doesn't, I guess I don't know his speed numbers. Is he a burner? Is he, I don't is he, think so. I think like. he's going to be a guy that's kind of carving you up in the middle of the field. Yeah. But who knows? I, interesting. It it comes up every time yeah. I talk to someone over there. So we'll we'll see. But uh, I'm assuming you have zero complaint about Jatavion Sanders because you and I both love him. I I think he's incredible. I think he's like whenever he looks like he was made in a tight end lab. Yeah, yeah. Whenever we talk about the OU Texas game, or people talk about you know, what Texas may or may not be this year. I, I'm the only thing on that team that really worries me is Jatavian Sanders. I, Worthy's going to get his, he's going to make some plays on you, right? They're going to scheme some stuff in the running game. They've got a really good uh, offensive coaching staff. Defensively, they got a good coaching staff, but there's no one on that on, on that side of the ball right now that I feel like could just own the game. But to me, Jatavian Sanders is a guy that can turn your lights out. There's not a whole lot you can do to help cover the tight end like you can a receiver. Like you can play zone and go over the top, one under, one one over on a receiver. You can double those guys way easier. It becomes way more difficult to double tight ends because you just don't know where they're going to line up. He could line up as a fullback in the backfield, right? So he's the guy that worries me the most whenever we talk about Texas. Yeah, he is. He's a stud that I'm expecting to have a big year. Tech, just the sooner people realize Texas offense is going to be legit. Mm-hmm. The, the big question marks that defense. Now, looking at the O-line, Preseason All Big 12 team. We've got Kingsley Suamataia from BYU, who is a large human being, like 6'6, 315. Good player. I like him. Uh, Mike Nowitzki from Kansas. Cooper Beebe, who is back for what seems like his 17th year at Kansas State. Kelvin Banks, who had a very impressive true freshman year last year for the Longhorns. And Zach Frazier, who is undoubtedly, in my opinion, the best center in the Big 12 conference. I I didn't have Suo Mataia on my list. I had Tyler Guyton. I've said it, I don't know how many times now. I expect Tyler Guyton to play up to his potential and to absolutely ball out and to be a first-round draft pick. That's that is my expectation for him. And now I was I was with Beanbo. At at Ty Donaldson's wedding this weekend, said he may be the most talented player he's ever coached. So, if he gets to where I think he can get, he's going to be an All Big Twelve offensive lineman. So, 
I I had Guyton, and that is also had I couldn't decide. I went with Coker, the uh, the right tackle for TCU. I, I like his game. I like his physicality. I didn't have Nowitzki on mine. I didn't. I didn't go with the two center approach, like uh, like some of my fellow media members did. But it is, yeah. I I think that I think that's a good list. But I had two different guys on mine. I think the the other name that I think people are going to wonder about is Andrew Rame. Um because there's been a lot of talk and frankly a lot of hype for a long time with with Andrew Rame. Um I think he's I think he's going to be poised to have his best year. I think perhaps and to get your opinion on it like having the the kid from app state come in and push him at center is probably going to be really helpful for him i do is there any way that you see him making this list i if he does what does that mean like what did what did the year look like for us yeah i think that i think he like he's a more physically gifted player than the Nowitzki kid from kansas the there's a couple of main issues i've had with rain and i i think he's going to have a great season I really do. I think you're right. I think he's going to be as motivated as he's, as he's ever been. My hope is that it kind of all just comes together for him this year and he plays himself into like he could be a he could with his physical gifts like he could be a third round type guy. He he could be a day 2 draft pick. But we just hasn't we haven't seen it all come together and you know the the number one issue is like the guy has not been able to stay healthy. Yeah. And that's tough. I mean, especially I've, you've had multiple surgeries now. Like that's, it's tough. And it, it has prevented him from having the type of off season he needs to have a couple of times now. Mm-hmm. Right. And those missed reps, whether you're talking spring ball or in the weight room like that, eventually that, that deficit kind of grows and grows, but, He's extremely talented. If he plays up to his talent level and uses his hands a little better, I there's no doubt he could be an all big twelve center. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there there there's no doubt. Now, Frazier, I really like that dude. That that guy, he can play, man. He can absolutely play. But there's no reason that it shouldn't be a tough decision for people to make. When it comes to hey, should it be Rame or Frazier when we're talking about the all Big Twelve team at the end of the year? That's how it should be. Yeah, that's what I expect. I yeah. I hope I'm sitting down going, hmm, which one of these guys deserves it? Yeah, no, I agree. I I'm I'm looking for big things from Rame, man. I not necessarily like that anything has transpired to where now it's all of a sudden I feel like he, he I just I think someone behind him that is not just solid but like incredibly competent and is going to push him at that position I think is going to take him maybe to the next level I feel like he's had maybe too too easy of a of a situation there and never really been threatened. And I don't necessarily think that he's threatened for a starting job, but 
he may be threatened that if he misses an extended time with an injury, like it's not just going to be a, you step right back in. Like you may have to earn your way back onto the field. You know, and I don't know. I just think hopefully that that situation brings the best out of him. Yeah. All right. Any other thoughts before we move on to defense? I think that's it. All right. Preseason, all Big 12 defense, defensive line, Dante Corleone, which may be the best name in all of college football <laughs> from Cincinnati. Ethan Downs is the lone Oklahoma guy on, on this list, offensively and defensively. He's the only one, only sooner. You got Dominic Williams, who had an awesome freshman season for TCU last year. You got Byron Murphy from Texas, and then Jalen Hutchings, who is a guy that you and I both really like for Texas Tech. Any any big time surprises for you on that D line list? I'm surprised Ethan Downs made it. He was yeah. all Big Twelve a year ago, which kind of surprised us then, right? So. I think I have a lot of respect for people that vote for this thing, right? Uh, I know a lot of people that take a lot of time. I got a lot of text messages. Hey, who are you voting for? What do you think of this guy versus that guy? Got a lot of, got a lot of people that reached out to me about that stuff. However, I do think everyone goes and goes, Oh wait, who, who was all big 12 after the year last year that will be back. And Ethan Downs is one of those guys. I'll start there with my list and, and fill in as I need to. Um, and I want nothing more than at the end of the year next year, we're talking about Ethan Downs being an all-Big 12 defensive lineman. I just think that our situation at edge where he plays is so drastically different than it was a year ago. It may be the it may be the the deepest most versatile position that we have on the entire team. And I think it's going to be, I just, you're not just going to see Ethan Downs and, and Reggie Grimes be your penciled in starters as they were a year ago. I, that's just not how it's going to be. I, I have no problem saying this. When they run out on the field against Arkansas state, I'm not sure he's running out on the field first. I agree. I, I think that is now he could end up having a tremendous training camp and earn that job. And it means something to run out there first, right? Mm -hmm. Even if you're playing a rotational position like defensive end, it means something to be part of the, the group that gets to jog on the field for the first snap. I, I think he could absolutely be one of those guys, but with what you and I saw during spring, Bothroyd's going to be one of those guys. I'd be surprised if he stopped. Now, you never know. It would, injuries happen in camp, all those types of things. But the other spot, Downs or Grimes, right? And I'm not I'm not 100% sure it's going to be Downs. A, a lot of it just kind of depends on what are they what's the call? What's, you know, what are they starting with? You know, I I've only saw a handful of, Trace Ford only played a handful of snaps in the spring because of injury stuff, but the handful of snaps that he played, he's got the most burst and the most snap out of most of those guys out there. Um, we'll see what happens with some of the young guys. Our Mason Thomas, um, Adabare, those guys have incredibly high ceilings. Um, are they ready to start yet? I don't know, but I, it's, I, I don't know. That's, that's the thing. Is I just don't know what it's going to look like 
um, at defensive end. I'm with you. Bothroyd, I'd be shocked if he's not one of the starters right out of the gate. Yeah. Uh, and Trace Ford, I'd be shocked if if all things are equal, everyone's healthy. I'd be shocked that he's the first third down. He's not the the main pass rusher jogging out there. Yeah. Just looking at the other names on that list, Dante Corleone, I've watched a little bit of him. He looks awesome. Hey, they got another D lineman, Juwan Biggs, there at Cincinnati. Like Cincinnati's defensive line is supposed to be for real. Yeah. I think Byron Murphy from Texas being on this list is a reach. Yeah, agree. I, I think now we talked about kind of that prediction versus production conversation. He's just been too much of a flash player for me when I've watched him on tape. He just I I'm looking for some consistency. And there's no doubt the guy's got talent, but I, I'm i going to need to see a little more of that. I like Hutchings a lot. I think he's one of the best interior guys in the league. So I got I got a few issues, but not a ton, you know? You know, I'll tell you one of the things that's interesting is I've I've heard that the defensive line has had an incredible summer so far. Um, And, and one of the names that keeps popping up, and he's going to be down at Big 12 Media Days, is Jonah Luulu. And sounds like he's put on some good weight, added added plenty there. He's already an incredibly strong guy. He's got really good long arms. He's a bit tall for that interior position, you know, at, at like six six. But if he's six six and over three bills, like it sounds he it sounds like he is, I'm I've got high hopes for him. Um I wouldn't I wouldn't predict that he's gonna make uh all big twelve, but you know. A lot of that comes down to how good is your defense overall. Right. If you're playing good defense overall, guys are going to pop up on that list. So, I mean, that's going to be a big factor right there. Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you. Should I just set a scale out and make Laulu? I'll just put it right next to our radio booth because we get for serious. We get all those guys pretty much. Yeah. Shout to Jonah. Step on the scale. Just like heavyweights. Yeah. Do one of those like like they did that with Way In last year. Remember that? Was that yeah. last year? Or was that two? Yeah, I, feel, I don't, can't remember when that was. But yeah, do something like that. Big Twelve Media Days. What do you think about Lulu on the interior? I mean, you you've blocked those guys in there. I I don't like blocking. Now, if you if you gave me the choice of blocking a tall guy or a short guy, give me the tall guy. Mm-hmm. The the best defensive lineman I ever played against. Were shorter guys that had super long arms. That is that's nightmare fuel right there, right? The six one guy that's got a six eight wingspan, right? That type <laughs> of guy, you know. Yeah. But it it all comes down to the pad level. You can be tall, but if you play with low pads, like he can be, you know, six five six six, and play lower than some six two guys. So I, that's that's what it all comes down to. Is like how does he bend? How how is he able to maintain his pad level at that height, right? And if he can maintain it, it's fine. Like I do, that's where that's where the length becomes a serious weapon if you can play with low pads. So yeah. we'll see. But yeah, I when because we got that list of who was coming like two weeks before the Big Twelve put it out, and I won't lie, when Laulu was on there, I went, huh, okay, I. I, I Heard the D line has had a hell of a summer, and that's a good thing. I I think our defensive line 
has a chance to be one of the most improved position groups on the on the team. Um, we've added some good depth, some different type bodies in there. And, you know, if you get some of the young guys to come around, if Co shows up and you get the best out of him, I think it could be good. Okay, the rest of this list, we've got linebackers Colin Oliver from Oklahoma State, Johnny Hodges from TCU, and Jalen Ford, who is a stud from Texas. Uh, defensive backs, got TJ Tampa from Iowa State, Kobe Bryant from Kansas, Kobe Savage from K-State, Kendall Daniels from Oklahoma State, and Josh Newton from TCU. Ted, when you look at linebackers and DBs on the all Big 12 preseason list, any any thoughts, anything stand out? Uh, I'd be shocked at the end of the year if Stutzman doesn't make it as first team all Big 12 backer. I I would like to, uh, and I had Stutzman on my list. Also, I had a different TCU linebacker on my list. I had Jamoy Hodge. I love the way that that dude plays inside backer. Now, I had Jalen Ford. That guy is... No, he's legit, but I do not have, I do not understand how Colin Oliver is on this list instead of Danny Setson. It makes no sense to me. Colin Oliver, and I thought I almost voted in preseason Big 12 defensive player of the year last year because I thought he was going to have a massive sophomore year coming off the edge for Oklahoma State. He did not. And I know banged up a little bit, like I understand that, but. He's moving, they're playing a new defense. They're moving to a 3-3-5, and they've moved him to like a Sam linebacker hybrid spot that he's never played before. So I I know what Stutzman's going to be doing. I've seen it. I don't even know really what it's going to look like for Colin Oliver. I, I don't understand Oliver instead of Stutzman on that list. Like, and it, it really has nothing to do with me being an OU guy. It there's just too much unknown with what Oliver's going to look like in, in Nardo's defense. I, I got no clue. Yeah. Stutzman led the Big 12 in tackles last year, and he got hit with the, well, you led the worst defense in the conference in tackles. That doesn't get you anything. Um, it means you're just making a bunch of meaningless tackles, uh, past the line of scrimmage. You get nothing for that, which, I mean – there's some truth to that, but I think it takes away what he's really doing. He runs to the football really good. Um, he's physical. He's aggressive whenever he comes to comes to make a tackle. He's a good blitzer. He's capable in defense. What do you have, two interceptions last year? I, I think that with the rise of our defense as a whole, I expect the same type of production as we had from Stutzman a year ago, but I expect the defense to be – in the top tier of the conference, and that's just going to change how he's viewed. I think he's he's going to end up as a first-team All-Big 12. I agree with you on uh, Jamoy Hodge. He should be on there instead of Johnny Hodges. He's uh, an absolute assassin at linebacker. You love that it's guy. crazy, dude. Woo! He brings it, man. I, I love watching that guy. And All right. I will say, secondary, we'll have at least two guys in the secondary. Two? I, I put Billy Bowman on my list, but I I couldn't really – I didn't think there was a second guy. Now, if Harrington is 
everything he's supposed to be, then yeah, there's no doubt he will be in the conversation. But I'm gonna I'm gonna have to see him do it in, you know, when it when the snaps mean something. You know, that's just that's kind of where I'm at with him. That's the safer way to do it. I'm going to say it right now. He'll be a uh, all big 12 player next year. I don't know Love if that. they put him at DB or if they put it at linebacker, like where they're going to classify him. But um, I'm putting that type of expectation on the young man and Bowman will be there. Yeah. So I'm with those you. would be the two. And I, I, I think that our secondary, I'd be shocked if they don't have a great year. Yeah. Need them to. Yes. A lot of experience. A lot of talent. Need them to have a tremendous year. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. But first... Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, students prepare to meet their potential with an individualized academic path that strives for success. Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSSAA athletics where they've won over 100 state championships and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. And attention, business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica compares coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Insurica's goal is to help you avoid a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and control your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? I had to go with uh, the British Grand Prix Formula One. Look at you. Uh-huh. You got a lot going on over there right now. Well, Wimbledon's going on as well, but um, I love the fact that there's a massive celebration whenever you have a couple of Brits go uh, second and third. They don't win the race. but Of course you know. not. They're not Verstappen. Come on, man. <laughs> uh, and then you get McLaren with a, a second place there in, in Great Britain. So all in all, I mean, you can't win. You can't beat Verstappen. But to go two and three, not bad for the Brits. That's good. Little, little, uh, little hometown performance. Like that's, that's big time stuff now. I have, I've kind of shifted my mentality when it comes to watching F1. I kind of just put Verstappen and what's going on with him over to the side. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. And I kind of focus on the other stuff. I know some people, oh, this is so boring. The same guy wins every time. Well, yeah, that's true. But you can choose to focus on that or focus on some of the other entertaining parts of the sport. Right. Like you said, like some British guys finishing second and third in England. That's that's awesome. I I like to focus on Verstappen. I think it's hilarious. Did you see? I think it was last week. Did you see he's winning the race by a huge margin and <laughs> he wanted to change tires for the last lap to get the lap record or the fastest lap of the day? And his <laughs> his radio crew's like, 
yeah, we don't think it's going to be smart for you to come in and it's too much risk to come in and, and pit this late in the race. And then there's radio silence. And then you hear the announcer say, Verstappen has entered pit lane. <laughs> It's like, He's like, yeah, I'm going to change the tires. <laughs> it's pretty funny. And yeah, he got the lap record. But yeah, I thought that was cool. Um, Lando Norris and the McLaren and then Lewis Hamilton uh, getting the Mercedes going a little bit. Pretty cool there for the Brits. I'm I'm proud of you for watching. Look at you go. He's back. F1 Me, Ted is nephew, back. My nephew, like you really started it. And my nephew's really big into it. So yeah, I'm I'm liking what I see there. Entertaining, yeah, also, quick, lots of action. It's fun. It's quick. And also, I prefer now that the American races, or I guess some of them are out of the way, right now, it's kind of back towards the Sunday morning slot, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like. I'm not it. trying to watch it prime time Sunday. It's like that. That's what I liked about it. Like, give me the Sunday morning when I'm not really doing anything situation cup of coffee in my hand let's let's watch some formula one maybe that makes me a casual it probably does but it is what it is uh that's what i am i've got no no problem saying it yeah i know nothing all right who is your loser of the weekend i had to go with pat fitzgerald there at northwestern crazy situation okay um i know a lot of people probably know but here's what i've gathered so far there was hazing allegations at Northwestern. Northwestern started an independent third-party investigation to see exactly what happened. After going through their investigation, they found that Coach Fitzgerald had no knowledge of what went on, but there were opportunities for um, staff and people to report and they felt like a two-week unpaid suspension starting immediately was how they were going to move forward with it, okay? And since then, some things have happened. Um, someone's come out, and there was a story in um, – I can't remember what the the Daily Northwestern – there and talked to some of the people that were making the allegations about inside what was actually going on. And it looks like maybe that Pat Fitzgerald did know what was happening and maybe even to some degree participating in it. Uh, I guess that they would, whatever it was that they were going to do to some of these freshmen, it like if they messed up out on the field, they were going to be up to be put through some of this hazing. And I guess there was like some type of hand signal or something that they did out there like on the a field. Clap. Yeah. And I guess uh, some people think that coach Fitzgerald knew about it because he was doing that clap that they did on the field. Um, and it sounds like the university president is, you know, going to change perhaps whatever what their punishment was and i haven't seen that they've announced anything else but they're rethinking that punishment and then the current players all of the current players at northwestern put out a a letter a statement in full support of coach fitzgerald that he didn't know that they're with him 100 percent that these allegations have been um, 
blown out twisted. of proportion. Yeah, twisted, blown out of proportion. That they are a dedicated team, dedicated to each other, and and doing the right things as as men. So, what does all this mean for Pat Fitzgerald? I don't know. At least a two week un, unpaid suspension, perhaps more. And let's be honest, if you're suspending a head coach during like the dead period and in the summer, that's about the best type of suspension you can get. Uh, I know he's missing out on some money, but you're really not teaching anyone much of a lesson, right? If it's not during a game week. So what happens from this, what, what happened in the hazing, it's hard to know. Right. And I, I saw Adam Rittenberg uh, from ESPN. He had a tweet that they were sent a picture of a whiteboard that basically said like naked bear crawl or like naked slingshot. And it's in the middle of the locker room. So it's hard to plead ignorance. Yeah. You know, you know, so got a lot of thoughts on this. Now, I think Pat Fitzgerald, what he has done at Northwestern, I think he's one of the best coaches in college football. I think there's very few people that could accomplish what he's accomplished there. Right. The guy's a legend at Northwestern. Right. But, you you just you can't let this stuff happen in your program. I find it incredible. I know the report said that they couldn't prove that he knew. That doesn't that doesn't mean he didn't know. He would have had to have emailed someone about it or something, right? Yeah, it's like yeah, that we we couldn't we couldn't prove that he knew, right? But the fact that they had some super fancy law firm look into it and they found enough to suspend him at all tells you that Northwestern was a little uncomfortable with what they found in that investigation. And I think whoever the whistleblower player was, they saw Pat Fitzgerald got two weeks and they're like, well, I'm just going to tell the newspaper that, and all the details are coming, going to come out and we're going to let, we're going to let public opinion judge him. Yeah. That's how it feels like this went down to me is that this this whistleblower thought the school would do more. They didn't, so they went and talked. And I don't – did Northwestern not think that was going to happen? That's where I was confused. And then the other part is, kind of weird shit are these dudes from Northwestern into? What in the – I'm just – you know what I mean? Like, nothing like this happened at OU. Nothing like there was there was no hazing. Maybe I carried a guy's pads when I was a freshman. That's it. Yeah, there was I think there was some hazing before Coach Stoops got to OU. Because I remember hearing some stories about some stuff that went on. I can't remember necessarily what it was. I don't think it was anything like horribly bad. Um Nothing like this, uh, but I do remember a couple of times like guys, like freshmen getting their head shaved, stuff like that. But getting like getting this. your head shaved, this is this is what I'm having a tough time understanding. Is you're an upperclassman, you've started for a couple of years, and one of your teammates comes up to you and goes, "Hey, man." 
Want to put a mask on and dry hump this freshman with me? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm out. No, I'm good. I'm good, man. I like what? It's so weird. <laughs> like, it's just weird. And where does Shrek factor into all of this? Where does the Shrek thing come from? Don't know. That's what well, I want to know. I want to know why it was called the Shrek list or the Shrek clap or whatever. Like, I don't know that I want to know any more than I've already learned. Um, oh, we we've already been exposed. I read that entire long article from the Daily Northwestern, which the different hazing things got more absurd and more absurd. Car washing. Oh my goodness, what are these guys doing? I mean, what are we doing? I, I'm just. I feel very strongly in saying that the car wash thing would get someone knocked out. Oh my God. I, I don't know. I I just, I don't even understand how that goes down. I guess like whenever you're, I don't know. I guess if you're in fear of the, of an entire football team, like coming back at you, I, I, I don't know. It's just a weird thing. I don't know. I don't know what's to gain from any of that. There is nothing to gain. It's all incredibly stupid. Guys spinning around as I'm walking into the shower. Like, how does that create team bonding? Like, the one of the one of the things if you're talking about hazing, it's like, okay, this is kind of fun. It kind of sucks for the guy that's going through it, but it creates team bonding, right? That's that's what hazing is supposed to be for. Like, good hazing. This is just odd. Odd behavior. Northwestern has really set themselves up for some interesting uh, uh, signs or razzing from opposing student sections. Like They're going to be known as a certain type of team from this point on, right? With you know exactly what's going to happen. You know, you know what goes down at the Buffalo Bills games? Oh, yeah. The, some uh, objects thrown onto the field, perhaps? There are going to be some objects thrown on the field. Now I I do think that I I do think Northwestern they have a certain reputation as a university. Mm-hmm. Right? So I don't know what's going to happen to Pat Fitzgerald. I won't be surprised if he gets fired. I really won't. But at the very at the very least, they're going to have to release the findings of that report. Now, they may have to redact names and stuff like that, but people are going to want to know, okay, let's see it. We want to know everything. We want the whole thing released. You make it public. That's that's what the expectation of a, a, a you know, upstanding place of higher education, right? Place that prides itself on its journalism school, right? People are going to push and push and push for them to release that whole thing. And here's the thing, like it, something like this, whether it's all officially released or not, most of the details will make their way out in one way or another. You know what I'm saying? Um, who I, I mean, it's it's going to be payback enough. Like I can imagine some of those players with 
which I don't, I can't imagine in this day and age anyways, that they wouldn't uh, expect some of it to get out, but it's all going to be out now and names and whatever these things that they were doing are out. It's just a, uh, it's not a good situation for anyone. How is this? It, it's already hard enough to recruit to Northwestern. But now you got this. How I, that and that's one of the reasons I, I will not be surprised if he gets fired. How does Pat Fitzgerald walk into the living room and go, we need you at Northwestern coach or a bunch of guys going to hunt me. Cause I, I, I don't want to do that. That doesn't sound fun to me. I love academics. I want to play in the big 10. That's great. You're a great coach, but I, I don't want to get car washed. I, 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 that does, that doesn't interest me. There are going to be a lot of people that hear about this and their parents are going to go, you are not going to Northwestern. You're not going. And that is, that's a tough spot to be in. It was already hard enough to get guys into that school with the academic requirements. Oh, now you work. Now you got this working against you. I, you got to imagine like if you're like a Chicago area recruit or whatever, and it's like, I'm going, I'm committing to Northwestern. You know what? Everyone's going to be like, Oh, are you? Huh? Interesting. In, in, just, into that. Okay. Right or wrong. That's how this thing works. You know, not right yeah. or wrong. It's wrong, but that's how this thing is going to work for Northwestern. And like, kids that want to go there or get offered to play it's just it's going to turn into a bad deal i imagine i just i wonder if at any point in time one of the guys while they were doing this stuff this turn was like guys isn't this pretty weird like this is weird did, did that never that just never happened like just all know. went along with it I imagine there's like a I imagine in that situation there's you probably have a small group that does the hazing a small group that's getting hazed and then the, a big group in the middle that is like I don't want to have anything to do with this and I ain't saying anything because I don't want to end up on the list or whatever it was called you know what I'm saying I mean I imagine that's probably how it uh, it's not right but i imagine that's how you have something like that goes and doesn't really get checked is because there's a massive part of the group that is like it's better for me to just shut up and stay out of it i don't want to be on the receiving end of a car yeah. wash or whatever the hell it was yeah i imagine i am 100% confident that if they would have tried to do that to you you would have punched someone in the face I, it's easy to say that whenever you're whenever you're not in the i mean peer pressure is a weird thing but that's just i know i know i i, I would that's say that's beyond right now, strange i would say now with 100% certainty that yes um before i do any of that i'm willing to fight and like and what happens, happens. Go down swing. What happens, happens. It's easy to say that now, but I know that all of the people that did that before it happened, they would have said the same thing. Yeah. 
So there's I, something that happens in that dynamic with those numbers and that amount of people and the amount of pressure that you're under that, you know. And if your head I'll, coach is putting guys on the list himself and all this, like that's where. not that You don't feel like there's anywhere to turn. Yeah. And I'll, I, I'll tell you, like, I've seen it happen. I don't care how good you are at certain places. If your position group wants to eliminate you just by like things that they, things that they, they can, they can make you quit and leave no matter how good you are. And I mean, I'm sure that that pressure was, was hanging over the top of people too. I don't know. It's a, it's a terrible dynamic. If if you have not read the article and you're confused and you're like, why are just a little hazing? Yeah. No, no, no. Go read the article. It's long, but it is it's worth your time. It is deep thought put into some of this stuff. And I wonder how long it's been going like how long some of these like traditions or whatever have why? been going on. Someone, someone from Northwestern is going to have to explain to me. Why do you want to watch another dude bear crawl naked? I, you're going to have to explain it to me. I, you're just, I'm going to need, I'm going to need that explained. How is that hazing? Like, is it funny? I just don't. Well, it's, I guess it's the, the thought is it's like the most humiliating thing that you can do to someone is force them to do whatever these workouts or exercises or whatever are force them to do it naked or, or you know, but I, yeah, I don't know. Just weird, man. I know. Uh, I going to be interesting to see what happens to Pat Fitzgerald though. That is a guy that I, I thought he was going to be at Northwestern for as long as he wanted to be there. So we'll see if anything ends up happening. All right, let's get to my winner and loser. But first. John Vance Auto Group has been serving Oklahomans for 40 years. Family owned and operated. They have nine full service dealerships in Woodward, Miami, and Guthrie. No matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. They carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, ram jeep and wagoneer john vance auto group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers expectations in every way which is why they have their lifetime loyalty program and here's how it works you buy a new or used car from them all you have to do is get all of the manufacturer recommended maintenance done at the vance dealership and if something goes wrong with the components of your engine transmission drive axle, or transfer unit they will cover the repair costs it's a great deal you can browse their entire inventory or find the John Vance dealership near you at vanceautogroup.com. And First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma, tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. Come on, people, make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. All right, for my winner of the weekend, thought about going with Mark Ingram. He was one of my teammates in New Orleans. Awesome guy. Sounds like he's going to be replacing Reggie Bush on Fox Big Noon kickoff, and the dude is absolutely hilarious. Now, was an awesome player at Bama. Had a long, super successful NFL career. 
he is going to be hilarious and wildly entertaining on that show. So that is that is, that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm fired up for that. Well, you know, I didn't know. I don't know much about him. Never had any interaction. I don't know that I've ever even seen an interview or anything with him. But for him to go straight to that gig, like he, there must be something there. You know, he's I, he's an extremely like charismatic and fun. He just he's a fun dude to be around. The one thing I thought was interesting is you know it's mainly going to be Big Ten and uh, Big Twelve, Pac twelve stuff, which you know doesn't really matter. It's just a little bit out of his footprint, but. I'm excited for it. I, you know, I, I think, uh, I think the more personalities you get to see on some of those things, the better. And, um, you know, I guess that's kind of going to be the case on game day too, right? It's seems like the battle between those two is, is heating up a little bit with ESPN and some big layoffs. Yeah, no doubt. All right. But my winner of the weekend, I'm going with case and Wallace. That dude looked pretty dang good in his summer league debut against the Mavs 20 points. Three boards, two assists, I think a couple turnovers, a couple steals as well. Ted, it just guy just looks the part. Right. And I know it's it's one summer league game, but he immediately looks like a guy that's going to be an impactful player for the Thunder. Now, going six of ten from three, probably not going to happen very often, right? Especially the big question for him was how how, how good's the shooting? But he just, he plays hard. He, he's got a good basketball body, like physical, looks strong. Like, yeah, look good, man. I was fired up with the way he played. Yeah. Uh, I, From what I've seen, the whole group is fun to watch. I, incredibly fun. With some of the athleticism we've seen, that dunk uh, um, from, why am I drawing a blank? Trey Mann. Trey Mann. Ooh. on unbelievable dunk you got Holmgren out there running up and down healthy again did the the thunder made some moves looking pretty good right now yeah i'm liking where they're sitting yeah and chet you know chet has looked pretty solid he's he's fallen down a lot which is strange and i don't know if that's it's not it doesn't look like a strength thing i don't know if he's doesn't fully trust the foot quite yet his handle's been a little off as well. Like he hasn't, it's, he just looks rusty. Mm-hmm. Right. And, but the guy is an absolute monster when it comes to protecting the rim. Like if he can catch lobs, hit some threes, space the floor and protect the rim, that's all they need from him. Now you're hoping that he continues to develop and everything just kind of comes together, but he, he's looked a little, you know, kind of baby giraffe at times. <laughs> at times in in these moments but i mean it's clear he's going to have a massive presence on the defensive end of the floor for him which yeah. is something they had absolutely zero of last year yeah i i'm i know he's he's looked a little bit out of sorts at times but i think what i like the most that i've seen from him is just kind of his demeanor and yeah. the way that he plays uh, and you're right. Like some of the the rim protection is is totally top notch. I hope that continues. You see that deal Pat Beverly put like was asked about him, and 
that makes you feel like I thought that was interesting. I I didn't expect that type of answer, but you can kind of see it in the way that he plays. Yeah, he's you know from what from what I gather, he's an ultra confident guy. So I am I'm encouraged by what we've seen uh, so far, and the Thunder, like you mentioned. Uh, there's been a lot of change over these last couple of weeks. It's kind of hard to figure out who's on the team, who's going to be a factor, who's not. Like, they're going to have some tough decisions to make when it comes to roster spots. Now, That's that good, decision though. doesn't come until October, right? But it's going to be a fun team. Yeah. I'm excited. Like, I'm starting to get really, really excited. And so, I mean, I, I see more and more people out there that know way more about the sport than I do that are starting to say the Thunder are going to be a real challenger in the West. So, yeah. We'll see, you know, Denver, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go ahead and stay with Denver, but I, I do think that I think they're going to be one of the most entertaining teams in the league. And this season is like just the start of a really, really exciting period for this, for this franchise. So I am, go. I'm fired up, baby. All right. For my loser of the weekend, thought about going with Victor Wimbanyama. Just didn't, first of all, did his security slap Britney Spears or not? Like that, that would that whole thing was so strange. And it's all good. Just a misunderstanding, it sounds, between uh Wimbanyama and Spears, which I honestly feel like it's one of those things that it's like a mad lib. Yeah, like nothing like I don't know that it was anyone's fault. Right? Where Britney Spears has probably been able to run up to anyone her whole entire life, and like, and you know, I I just I can understand her her mindset and the security guard. I can understand his mindset and Wimbanyana never even turning around and just continuing to walk. Like I can just understand everyone's like uh, take on the situation. So it's yeah, but weird. that that whole ordeal was interesting, but. He didn't play particularly well in in the summer league game. Got dunked on, which he's going to get dunked on. It's going to happen. But he did have like five blocks. He did some good things, but people are already out here saying he's a bust. He's going to suck. And it's just that's that can't be very fun for him. It just can't. It's it's not fun when people are saying that he's played. He's played one game and people are saying, oh, this guy stinks. And I imagine I don't know. I, I think there's probably some players like you're more explosive, like one-on-one, like take you off the dribble type of players and shooters are probably way better in summer league because everyone kind of shows up and it's almost, I mean, it's not pickup basketball, but it's not like you've got these elaborate game plans and you've studied the other team. You know what I'm saying? I, I imagine that's not going to be his strong suit basketball wise. Yeah. And even after the game, he came out and he was like, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, <laughs> which I, I respect. It was great. But my loser of the weekend, Bob Huggins. I mean, what in the world is going on? Yeah. What, what is going on? His lawyers sent West Virginia a letter that said he never officially resigned. He's currently in rehab and intends to return to his position as head coach after he's finished with rehab. I I guess they're saying that his wife actually resigned for him like via email or text message and 
He actually didn't officially resign himself. My, Ted, my hope was that Bob Huggins would get right, right? He'd work through his issues, and then he'd become an ambassador for West Virginia, right? Do some TV. We've seen him do TV. He's good. He's he, he's funny. And that he would be you know, just like Mr. West Virginia, which is what he has been for the last, what, 17 years or whatever it's been. And it's going the complete other way, man. I did not think he's going to end up trying to possibly sue the school to reinstate him as the head coach, even though they already named what Josh Eiler as the interim coach and signed him to a contract. What a weird situation, man. Is this a, a move to try and get like settlement money, like a buyout or something? I, I guess, I don't know, but, I mean, West Virginia responded and basically said, um, no. And, hey, if you want to sue us, we will gladly fight that fight. And it was just, it's the exact opposite of how I wanted this to go. Well, if I'm West Virginia, I say, oh, it's great to have you back. You're reinstated and you're fired with cause. See ya. Right. I mean, bye. I mean, I don't know. It seems like a a weird situation. I don't know what's to gain other than trying to sit down and reach some type of buyout settlement is the only thing I can think of. And I don't know what his what that situation was with his resignation. If there I, was one. Yeah, I don't know. But we've talked about Ren Baker, that new athletic director for West Virginia, having a tough start, right? First. Hey, you got the Neil Brown situation, his contract. What do you do with your football coach? Then you had Bob Huggins do the radio thing, then the DUI, and now this. Ren Baker has to be going, seriously, man? Come on, like, guys. Come on, man. It sounds like, you know, just from like how the interim coach situation went and the coaching search went, it sounds like there's still a very sizable presence of some pro Bob Huggins people oh, yeah. at the university and in the administration. And I think the new athletic director is finding out that he doesn't have a very big contingent behind him maybe to, to make some of these moves. And I don't know, it's probably turned way more political than we ever would have imagined. This is this is a very rough start to my Bob Huggins is going to be the West Virginia ambassador. Like that was that's how it all was going to go in my mind. We're off to a rough start. See what happens. Threatening the threatening threatening the school with legal action if you don't reinstate you as the head coach is that is a move. Man, that is that is a move. I, don't you think that there's, I mean, there's, there has to be. I don't a, know what to think, man. I think there has to have been enough people on the inside to say, like, we're not staying or we're like, 
we want Bob Huggins back. We want him reinstated and reach like he wouldn't just do this without enough people there like supporting it, right? I, I don't know. I have no clue. But I do know this. I hope it keeps going because it's kind of wildly entertaining. Yeah. I hope there's a little back and forth here. It's like watching a it's like watching a coup take place in Brazil or something, you know? It's like, except this is a sports version of it in West Virginia. It's like what all the it's like what went down in Russia, right? Yeah, yeah. The the Wagner group. Yeah, Wagner we, group. we keep up we keep up on current events. What's up? Yeah, we read and watch. What's up? Uh it's funny. Uh, it's it's strange. Very strange. All right. On that note, episode 334 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop on Wednesday. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a fantastic week. And until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time